Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good. Good morning. It's the 13th of December, 2022. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. What a joy to be gathered together this morning. Um, So we, each and every day um, during Advent, we are reading verses of Scripture that remind us of who Jesus is and talk about his birth from various perspectives. And maybe you're going to find it surprising that so many of the passages we're reading during Advent are actually from the Old Testament. Well, why is that? Well, that's because um, God hath told us long ago what to expect in terms of the Savior. Where to expect um, him to be born is uh, the topic for today's conversation. So in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we read, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Jesus is, in fact, the ancient of days, um, and he is born in the town of Bethlehem. So, I um, thought we would talk for a moment about the little town of Bethlehem this morning. So, you have a um, some talking points today as you walk out there into the world and wonder why we sing, O little town of Bethlehem. So in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread. And it was prophesied that Messiah, the bread sent down from heaven to feed the souls of mankind, would be a descendant of King David. We talked about that um, when we talked about the passage from Isaiah. Uh, He would also be born in the same city where David, the shepherd king of Israel, was born. And so Bethlehem is first the city of David and then Jerusalem becomes the city of David. And so Bethlehem, though small among the clans of Judah, as noted here in Micah 5, 2, um, is the place that God ordains the Messiah to be born in the city of David, the place, the birthplace of David as well. So you might um, think about Bethlehem being a place that um, you hear a lot of sheep. So the shepherds are definitely nearby. Um, It's the place where lambs destined for the temple were raised. Every firstborn male lamb from the area around Bethlehem was considered holy and was set aside for sacrifice in Jerusalem. And there were generations of hereditary shepherds tending um, these sacred flocks. You will remember that was what David was out doing. He was out tending flocks, um, when, when ultimately he was called from the fields to um, be considered as the next uh, king of, of Israel. Um, these were common people, shepherds, but they were doing a sacred work. They were used to cold, lonely nights in the fields, protecting 
sheep risking their lives to keep their animals not only from going astray, but um, falling into ravines in the hill country or being attacked by predators. And so after pouring their lives out to these flocks, um, then shepherds would separate the lambs, choosing the most perfect of the firstborn males to take to Jerusalem. And that's where these lambs would be purchased by people who wanted to atone for their sins. These were sacrificial lambs born in Bethlehem. So on the same mountain where Abraham had offered his son Isaac to the Lord, these lambs would then shed their blood and lose their lives in an atoning sacrifice. And it was an endless cycle. Lots of lambs slaughtered for the atonement of many sins and many sinners. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7, we read this. Sacrifice and offering um, you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. And then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. John the Baptist called Jesus not only the Son of God, but also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this firstborn Son of God, this firstborn Lamb of God, would sacrifice his life to atone for the sins of all, a one-time perfect sacrifice offered by the Father God himself, a lamb born in Bethlehem. So that is um, why Bethlehem. I mean, that's why. So the way in which um, the lamb would arrive in Bethlehem was still a mystery, but we know that from other prophets who talk about a virgin birth. Um, But this part is part of the expectation. Um, The people who were awaiting a Messiah, the people who were awaiting a king, the humble shepherds in Bethlehem, they, um, they knew, they knew that their city would be the place, that their town would be the place. Um, And so I think it's so appropriate that um, the shepherds are the first who get to greet him. Even this was a part of God's eternal plan. We read in Jeremiah 23, verses 4 and 5, I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, um, nor any of them be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. That is Jesus, my friends. The greatest king of all would arrive in the little town of Bethlehem, city of David, city of shepherds, a place where sacrificial lambs were born and raised, placed in a manger. I'm wondering this morning what that sign of the shepherds means to you. What does it mean to you that Jesus came as the Lamb of God? to take away the sins of the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio.
All right, you and I are going to spend a little time together bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. That's what we like to do here on Mornings with Carmen. And some days, well, you know, we just like to do it together. So um, thank you, first of all, for including me in your day today. I count it such a great privilege to spend this time together. I was, uh, I was captivated by an article from WalletHub, and you say to yourself, now how does Carmen get captivated by something so, you know, like off the beaten path, path as WalletHub? Well, people on social media or people in mainstream media talk about it, and then Carmen gets, you know, clued in, and there you go. And I'm like, oh, this would be a fantastic conversation subject for, for us when we have coffee together in the morning. And so I put it on my list, and here you go. But also, I got to tell you, when the word sin makes itself uh, or appears in pretty much any headline, yeah, that's also going to be a hook for me, right? Because I'm going to be like, hmm, I mean, the world's actually considering sin and sinfulness and what it looks like and what it includes. And that's worthy of conversation because we don't talk enough about sin and sinfulness. And you say to yourself, "Ah, we talk plenty about sin and sinfulness. No, 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 we don't. Not really. Um, We don't often talk about how weighty it is, how oppressive it is. Um, what it feels like to live in a culture so dominated by it because it's the water we're swimming in. And so here you go. 2022's most sinful cities in America. So um, what is sin and how would a city get on the list of the most sinful cities in America? How many cities are ranked here and where does your city, um, where does your city appear? So Uh, This is not going to surprise you. Las Vegas, uh, known as Sin City, tops the list of the most sinful cities in America. Um, But Nash Vegas, the city where I live, which some like has this like gross aspiration to be like Las Vegas, it has even adopted this nickname of Nash Vegas. Yeah, it's number 34. And I got to tell you, that's terrible. That's bad. Now, St. Louis, Missouri, Philadelphia, Houston, Atlanta, L.A., um, Denver, Chicago, Baton Rouge, and Phoenix, they round out the top 10 with Las Vegas. But my city of Nashville comes in 34. Um, and, And how were these ranked? Well, they're talking about violent crime per capita, excessive drinking, the availability of adult entertainment, gambling, um, addiction rates, rates of sex work, fraud, identity theft. Those are the kinds of things that they're looking at. Um, Oh, and how many people smoke? (laughs) Smokers make the list of vices and sin when it comes to um, when it when it comes to these metrics. Here's something that's not on the metrics list that I would think um, I would want to see in the mix. But it tells you something about our culture that abortion's not on the list. It's not on the sin list that's that's in the mix here. Um, not on the sin list, people who take advantage of um, of marijuana laws. Um, not on the sin list here uh, would be um, states that uh, make assisted suicide available through physicians. Like, it's curious to me the things that are not in uh, what's considered the sin mix here um, for America's most sinful cities. Wondering where your uh where your city comes out on the list paul you got any um any notes there on where some of our radio uh signals are broadcasting this morning actually yeah now uh our headquarters minneapolis st paul minneapolis came in at number 50 
on the list. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. going from there, uh, unfortunately, Duluth was not mentioned. Our city in Madison, uh, 171st on the list. That's pretty good, right? Actually, I think of all of our cities, that was the lowest, the least sinful. Least sinful city in In terms of our uh, broadcast signals. Yeah, yeah. Well, you Mm -hmm. know those Packer backers, they just, they they think they're... You know, people with (laughs) enough cheese. I just feel like their access to cheese is uh, is a part of that metric. It must be the cheese. It must be. Fargo... Happy cows, happy people. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And happy Mm -hmm. people hopefully sinning less. But Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, Fargo, 151st on the list. Bismarck, 163. Uh, Our friends in Sioux Falls, they're 120. Second, or pardon me, 112th on the list. Rapid City, South Dakota, 59th. They're up there pretty high. Des Moines, 128th. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to get to Hartford, but uh, that's mm-hmm. the map. Yeah, Hartford has might a- not be. Yeah, it's they only you know they only look at cities of a certain size, and so yeah. there might be like some metro metric there that we would have uh, to yeah, look at exactly. So. All right, the uh, the link is going to be in the show notes today. Um, you can also find it at wallethub.com. You're, uh, you know, you're looking for the most sinful cities in America, 2022. Um, I noted this sentence. Luckily for the saints among us, which isn't that curious. It imagines there are saints among us. Luckily for the saints among us, all American sins are not created nor distributed equally. Now, that is a sentence you could spend all day unpacking as a Christian in the culture today. You can, uh, this, this gives you the opportunity to talk about sin and sinfulness. It also uh, gives you an opportunity to talk about finding our joy in our salvation and acknowledging that one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make is the zip code you live in. Um, and so are you living in a zip code that is dark? And if so, um, please, please, please today be a per- person who is focused on being the light. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Uh, listeners in Hartford are saying it's possible that it's because they're so pure in heart that they're not on the list. It's also possible that really nobody looked. Like, I think that it's, I think it's that you were not examined because had you been examined, you would have been, uh, you would have been found. You'd have been found out, right? Everything done in the dark is found out. Um, lots of you texting in this morning on the text line. Thank you so much. The number is 877-933-2484. Lots of folks making observations about um, sins that are now, frankly, so socially accepted that um, they're not listed as transgressions, vices, or sin anymore, and therefore um, not a part of um, of this kind of ranking. And so that's an interesting, that's an interesting conversation to have. Like, does gambling um, make the list? Is there a significant social stigma to that anymore? Um, how about homosexual practice? Does that fall into um, the the category of um, of adult entertainment in a particular community. Um, 
How about excessive drinking? Like how excessive does it have to be? What what qualifies for that? Um, so you, there you go. All kinds of things like that. Okay. Uh, it is projected that in 2023, yeah, there's so many things like lists at the end of the year, right? So that's that list, that most sinful cities list is a end of the year list. But there's also 2023 projections looking ahead. And so it is projected that in 2023, the population of India is going to surpass that of China. India will be the most populous nation in the world. And one of the things that comes with a lot of people, um, particularly a lot of people in a place who where um, there's a very robust um, commercial system, is that there's a lot of trash. A lot of people with access to consumer products then produce a lot of trash. So the headline that caught my attention is that there's a trash heap that is competing in height with the Taj Mahal. Um, Landfills in in India, um, of which there are many, 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 um, landfills that are hundreds of feet deep now rise like mountains across the landscape, some of them more than 200 feet high. And so like 10 meters short of, uh, of the height of the Taj Mahal right now. People living nearby um, who cannot afford to move also cannot breathe, and they are bathing in the contaminated water that is seeping from the garbage that is arriving around the clock. They are also finding their livelihood by, um, by picking things out of the trash and reselling them on a secondary market. And so... Um, if you've ever driven behind a trash truck and uh, the liquid seeping out of it has made you gag, um, you will feel for a moment f- empathetic towards those who are living on the perimeters of and downstream of, downhill from these mountains of garbage in India. Um, so let's be considering today the stewardship responsibility that we have Um, given to us by God in the creation mandate. Um, And let's not resist, let's not resist our responsibility as stewards of creation um, because there are people saying things um, that rub, rub us the wrong way politically, okay? So, and let me just ask this question here at year end. And as we look toward the new year, how might God be calling us to live more simply that other people could simply live? It is not God's best for people, for for their flourishing. If you're pro-life, then you do not think it's okay for people to be living downstream of, um, of a trash heap that's hundreds of feet deep and now hundreds of feet high um, with round-the-clock fires burning deep deep within the hill and contaminated water seeping out from it in which they bathe. Like there's no way that as a pro-life individual, you think this is okay. Um, and so how might God be calling us, each and every one of us, you and me, to live more simply that other people can simply live? Because that's part of our gospel responsibility as well. And then in this beginning again, again um, season, we are in a season of beginning again, again. Um, and so I'm going to tee up this, this story for us. And I recognize we don't have a lot of time to discuss it today, but I want us to begin considering 
um, how our local churches and how ministries are going to prepare ourselves. How are we preparing ourselves to minister to people who are detransitioning? How are we preparing ourselves to minister to people who are detransitioning? Is your men's ministry ready for Chris Beck? That's my question today. Is the men's ministry of your church ready for Chris Beck? And you say, who is Chris Beck? Chris Beck is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL. He was made, um, I'll use the word famous here. He was made famous a decade ago um, by becoming a transgender person. He became known as Kristen Beck. But now Chris has returned to himself. Do you remember the prodigal? Do you remember the language of when he came to himself, when he returned to himself? And what happened when the prodigal came to himself and returned to himself? Well, he returned home. And the father was not only ready to receive him, but ran out to greet him. Is your men's ministry ready for Chris Beck? That is, um, that is an important conversation for us to be having. The reverse is true as well. Is your women's ministry ready for um, the, the, the women, particularly young women, who are detransitioning, who have done things to their bodies that are irreversible? But what has been done um, in their heart and in their soul and in their mind is absolutely redeemable. So are our churches and are our men's and women's ministries ready? Are we ready? Are we prepared to minister to people who are detransitioning? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Well, we want to spend some time this morning considering what in the world is going on around the world um, and, and what's going on in our own hearts and in our own homes, in our own churches, in our own communities. If you have a storyline um, that's happening where you live or in your church um, that you feel like, hey, people would be blessed to know this or people would be challenged by hearing this. This is an area where God is calling us into ministry individually and collectively into prayer. Would you share those um, stories with me from time to time? I would really appreciate that. I mean, I can obviously only pay attention and have my um, finger on the pulse of so many things in so many places, but you guys are literally everywhere. <laughs> like, you're listening in all 50 states and in more than 100 countries, and so there are definitely things happening where you live and in your local communities um, that I am not privy to. And and so if there's something happening through the ministry of a local congregation where you live, and you just say to yourself, you know, this is this is something wonderful and redemptive, and people ought to know about it. Um, or there is something um, that you say to yourself, this is um, this seems like an important cultural thread line, and I would like to know how to speak into it, how to address it, how to pray about it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to begin um, serving as a part of the research department for this show. You can um, email me your story leads, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. You can always text me during the show. The text line's always open, 877-933-2484. If you haven't done so already, let me encourage you to um, nominate someone in your life for our Give Hope for Christmas gift. So um, 
we, we have more than 50 um, nominees so far, um, people who are related to people who are listening, um, who are in a particularly challenging time during this holiday season, um, would be blessed by a $500, visa, $500 visa gift card. And um, many of you have responded to this very significant need um, in our lives and in our listening community. And so we are now um, going to be able to give uh, give four different Visa gift cards. Um, and so thank you so very much to those of you who stepped forward with additional gifts to, um, you know, dedicated to this particular purpose to make this happen. It's, it's possible that there will be five, but I don't want to confirm that yet. Um, if you um, want to participate financially, we're certainly inviting you to do that. Um, but we are definitely inviting you to participate prayerfully and nominating individuals who need some hope this Christmas. You can nominate them at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll read We'll read a little bit more about that at the top of the hour. I'll share some of the stories with you. But next up, we're going to talk with Michael Johnson. He's the president of Slavic Gospel Association. We're going to talk about what is going on in Ukraine um, and their Heat and Hope Project, which is now underway as winter um, is descending upon the people of Ukraine. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. A mysterious star in the sky. It's bright like one and shines like one. A baby lying in a manger. There he is, after all this time. And a fulfilled promise. You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In Fulfillment is a biblical audio drama, over 40 voice actors, and the fulfilled moments of Jesus' life. Search In Fulfillment wherever you listen to podcasts, or just go to MyFaithRadio.com. It's currently uh, literally freezing in Ukraine's capital of Kiev. It may also be freezing where you are, but you are likely not listening in Ukraine. We're going to talk um, now with Michael Johnson. He's the president of Slavic Gospel Association. If you are listening in Ukraine, if you're one of our half a dozen listeners who we know listen um, uh, via the stream um, or at MyFaithRadio.com or via the Faith Radio app, good morning to you. Blessings upon you, and I hope you receive this message as encouragement today that we here in the United States and Canada and around the world have you in in our heart and in our minds. You're in our prayers, and yes, uh, you are our ministry focus today. So, Michael, share with us um, what um, SGA is is doing in terms of addressing the um, emergency need in Ukraine uh, for people to have help keeping warm. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me on your program this morning. And um, uh, yes, indeed, we I appreciate the opportunity to tell their story. Uh, just real quick about our ministry. We were established in 1934. Uh, we ministered to the Christians and the churches in those countries uh, for many years during the Soviet years. And when the country opened up, uh, we're committed to serving roughly 6,000 churches across the former Soviet Union. Uh, roughly 2,300 of those churches are in Ukraine. So when when the war started, uh, we our plans were in place with them. Uh, we've been distributing food and humanitarian aid through those churches, uh, roughly 9 million uh, meals we've distributed thus far, um, and helping with them with food and humanitarian and other, other things as well. 
And I, I just want to share a quick story. Uh, just I just got a story from Odessa that was bombed a couple of days ago, and just a story from one of the one of our partner churches. They say people come have different backgrounds. They're come they're disadvantaged. Those who have lost their jobs during the war, internally displaced from the flashpoints of the hostilities, senior citizens, large families, all who are in desperate need. We share the gospel, pray with them, and answer their questions. Many of those who are coming just for food aid now come to the worship services, and many have repented of their sins and accepted Christ as their Savior, and it all started with a bag of groceries. So now that uh, uh, the people of Ukraine, uh, the power has been shut off and, uh, across most of the country, uh, they face a very harsh and grueling winter. And the churches have really set themselves up as what we call centers of heat and hope. And uh, we're in the process of um, uh, shipping uh, generators into Ukraine where the churches can uh, take them and set things up. Uh, people can come from their homes um, where uh, where they, they, they have no power, they have no lights, they have no heat. They can come to the churches, get warm, recharge their phones, uh, receive receive food, we're distributing blankets, we're distributing wood and coal so that they can take it home and heat their homes. But they're just in a very difficult situation and we're trying to lift those churches up as um, as basically hope centers in the midst of this horrible tragedy. We um, we have talked with with others who you know have answered God's call to in you know in unique and specific ways. I'm thinking about the conversation we had with um, Christopher Manson about the U.S. ambulances for Ukraine project. Um, this 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 notion that it's possible to ship generators um, and and possible to ship critical supplies um, or even something as large as an ambulance into a war zone. I got to tell you, the logistics of some of this is boggling to the mind. Um, but all of it requires the, you know, the financial support of people across the world um, to supply for the needs of those who are, are in such um, desperate need. Talk with us about the experience that churches um, are having there. Um, I know that uh, you've you've talked with pastors, and they're talking about the way people are responding. Um, it's a different experience than those of us, uh, you know, in the United States and, and places where, you know, after COVID, not everybody has come back to church. Um, everybody's in church in Ukraine. That's correct. Um, um, I'm sure many of your listeners know that many people have left Ukraine um, um, when the war started, and we helped um, aid them as they we helped the churches as they aided, aided them to leave the country. But many of those people have come back now as well. And I just, the, the churches, I mean, for, for us, you know, we have, inter, we have offices and we have warehouses and, uh, you know, and we support the nationals as they, as they are able to get these resources into the hands of churches. So we do have supply chain and distribution capabilities. But when you put these resources into the hands of these churches, uh, many of these tr- pastors and leaders could have left, uh, but mm-hmm. they stayed behind. And uh, and many of these people are, are in the occupied areas and, and they face great danger there. But they realized that, you know, God opened those countries up 30 years ago for such a time as this. And uh, we've been helping to train and equip these churches for many years. And the Ukrainian churches have stepped up to meet the physical and the spiritual needs of the people uh, in in this awful situation. And and literally, um, 
the churches are filling up now and um and there's there's sort of a, a revival taking place in the midst of this war as people look down the road they see no hope they don't know what's going to happen to them they don't have resources to feed their family all they have is the hope of Christ and the churches are giving them that hope by sharing the truth of the gospel to these people in their time of need I'm reading um, here at sga.org, which is where you can go um, to connect with Slavic Gospel Association, sga.org. You can find lots of information there about the Heat and Hope Project, the Ukraine Winter Heat and Hope Project is the official or formal name. Um, Reading about um, Arena, who lives 90 miles north of Kiev. She's been stockpiling as much firewood as she could afford to buy. Um, but in reality, you know, like at some point, there's there's no more money to spend um, on a carload of firewood, and that's not going to last very long um, in terms of the kind of cold we're talking about. Um, people are going to need help from the outside. And so we want to, you know, first of all, we want to thank you, Michael, for um, so many years of faithful ministry and the building of relationships um, and, and the support supplied um, in good times. Uh, and and you know relationships developed in good times that provide for this network um, of relationships uh, in in a time of war and desperate need. Um, God is going to get His glory in all of this, and God's going to use what um, what Putin and Russia mean for evil, and God is going to use it for good. Uh, and the church is going to be on the forefront of that, and um, and that that brings glory to God. It certainly does, and. Um... Uh, again, uh, for me, as the president of this ministry has been around for so many years, uh, you know, I feel privileged just to carry their bags, uh, particularly mm-hmm. when you think about what these churches went through before the wall came down and the persecution that took place. These churches are being built upon a foundation that, that is on the blood of the martyrs, really. And um, they're very dedicated. Um, they're very committed. They're very courageous. And God is lifting these churches up as lights in their communities, and and many people are responding. And so we have Christmas coming up, and and uh, we have a program that we call Emmanuel's Child, and so we're able to equip those churches with thousands and thousands of uh, children's Bibles and Christmas gifts that they'll be distributing at Christmas events um, in the coming weeks. And most of those families don't have money to purchase gifts for their children at Christmas time. And so it's it's just a wonderful time of uh, celebrating the birth of Christ, um, receiving gifts, preaching the gospel, and, um, and celebrating what uh, our faith is all about. And so it's just, you know, whether it be summer camps that we support or Christmas or or children's ministry, uh, those churches are out there doing what God has called them to do, and many, many people are responding. Michael, can we um, lift up, first of all, the website again, sga.org. Um, if you're listening right That's now great. and you want to participate in the Ukraine Winter Heat and Hope Project, or you want to participate in the project that's going to supply um, children's Bibles and Christmas gifts through these 2,300 churches in Ukraine, through their partnership with um, with Slavic Gospel Association, go to sga.org. Michael, can we pray for you before um, before you take leave of us? Yes, please do. Father, we lift up our brother Michael. Um, we thank you for his service 
through this ministry, and we thank you for every person um, to whom he is connected, not only in Ukraine, um, but, but across the world. We thank you for his partnership in the gospel. We ask, Father, that he might be strengthened in his inner being for the work you have set before him, so unique in this time and day. And Father, we ask for all of the resources that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in the lives of these precious people. Equip your church to be a light in communities of darkness and to be a place of heat and hope in the midst of bitter cold and war. Father, thank you for Slavic Gospel Association. Thank you for Michael. Equip and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Carmen. Please um, pass our greetings along um, to Pastor um, Bandura um, and and just encourage them that we are actively praying for them and continuing to lift up, um, you know, our concerns before the Lord um, for their welfare and for um, the 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 exaltation of Christ in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, they know that, and they very much appreciate it, and they feel the prayers of of, of their partner churches uh, here in North America and around the world. So thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. That's Mike, you, Michael Johnson. You can find him and all that we talked about at sga.org. I'll put all the links in the show notes today, which you can get when you download the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Welcome, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. So my question this morning is, who is your why? Who is your why? Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana um, was trying to talk about the importance of addressing the mental health crisis in America, and he got so choked up um, because his why is a who. And, and that's true for each and every one of us. So when you think about um, the need for finding real, solu- real solutions to our nation's mental health crisis, who is your why? You can text me just the first name of the person that comes to mind when I ask, who is your why? Text me, 877 Eight four. Um, so Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana is going to take over in January as the ranking member of um, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And in an interview with CNN, um, he said, every single one of us has a family history with, um, with mental illness. We have a loved one. We have a friend, someone you know. 
that has a serious mental illness. Certainly, if you are a part of a church, you have a member of your family and you have a family that's a part of your fellowship um, that that includes someone who has a serious mental illness. So who is your why? For Senator Cassidy, um, the who is his nephew. Um, Senator Cassidy's nephew died um, by suicide decades ago, and um, Bill has never forgotten that. He's literally still emotional every time he speaks the name or considers the reality um, that his family walked through, unable to bring the necessary resources to bear on what they knew was a mental health crisis in their family. And then he said, everybody has such an emotional story. And so I, I say into that today, who is your why? Who is the person, just, just the first name, just text me the first name. Who is the person in your family or in your faith community or in your neighborhood, um, in your extended network of friends? Um, who is the person struggling today with a serious mental illness? Who is your why in terms of why we need to be working together um, to find real solutions um, to our nation's mental health crisis. It's not that our whole nation is in crisis. It's that every family in our nation um, is in this crisis. So Bill Cassidy um, is, is a physician. Um, he's a doctor. He worked in hospitals um, for people who were uninsured in Louisiana before he became a U.S. senator. Uh, And he stresses the importance of treating mental and physical health together. He says having serious mental illness often leads to serious physical illness. You and I also know it leads to poverty. It leads to homelessness. It leads to addiction. The United States last year, last year, saw 14 suicide deaths for every 100,000 people. Um, Almost a million people worldwide took their own lives last year. People are not trying to take their own life unless they are mentally ill. And the death of um, Bill Cassidy's nephew, coupled with his work with vulnerable populations as a doctor, um, has made mental health one of his top legislative priorities. And so when you think about the people who are in Washington and what they're doing there, um, the things that they're doing and the, th- and the reason that they went, the motivating factors often comes down to one name. So for Bill Cassidy, his who is his why. Who is your why? What's the one name, first name, um, that comes to mind when you, when you say, I want our country to find better solutions, to find real solutions to the nation's mental health crisis? Is your who the the person who is unhoused and homeless and has been standing on a corner in your town or in your city for years? Is it a person in your own family um, whose whereabouts you don't know? Is it an older adult who um, has lost their mental faculties? We have a mental health crisis. Who is your why? Nate, Andrew, Joni, Scotty, 
Delane, Cole, Kurt, Sandra, Reese, Gavin, Adam, Dylan. You can text me the first name of the person who is your why, and we'll pray for them. 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Holy God, we come before you lifting up these individual names. We're going to place them in our hands and extend our hands to you toward heaven. And we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you, Father, with Austin and Donald and Jake. We're going to trust you with Abigail and Joanna and Richard. We're going to trust you with Tom and Barbara and Michelle. Holy God, we're going to trust you with Emily and Jared. We trust you with Dylan and Joshua and Adam. Father, we trust you this day with the family of Nate and others who have taken their own lives. We trust you um, with the family of Andrew. We trust you with Joni and Scotty. Father, we trust you with Delane and Cole, Kurt and Sandra. We trust you, Father, with Reese and Gavin and Jared and Josh and Tatum. Holy God, you know each and every one. You conceived of them before the foundations of the earth. You knit them together in their mother's wombs. They are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you know them full well. They are not unaccounted for by you, and you are pursuing them even now with your provenient grace. Holy God, let the light of life shine into the darkness of their lives, shine into the darkness of depression or despair. Holy God, heal their minds. Bring them to themselves as you did the prodigal so long ago. Holy God, we bear them up before you. They are our who, and we need you to become their who. Holy God, reveal yourself in ways that they can experience and receive and understand. Let your light shine into darkness this day. And Father, reveal to us our part that you're calling us to play in this generation to bring the resources you have provided to bear on the mental health crisis we face as a country and as a world. All of this we pray in the saving name of Jesus, the light who shines in the darkness and who the darkness will never overcome. In his name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Join us for Hour 2 up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.